You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. And tonight we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, also in Revelation chapter number 3. In fact, I'm going to be a little bit, instead of going through a letter to a church, I guess you would say it's a little more topical because I'm going to pull out a statement made in each of these churches, or at least five out of the seven of them, because there is a, a commonality you'll see. And it's something I believe that's very important and very necessary. And I want you to see what the Bible says, beginning here in chapter number two, the church in Ephesus. And I know, by the way, I understand, and I think about this sometimes, how I've been thinking on this topic for several days, and you've been working all day, right? And I know you're tired and maybe need to go home and eat, and I'll be mindful of that. But here's what I want. I want God to speak to our hearts tonight. Revelation chapter 2, and look what it says here in verse number 2. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them. Watch what, this is the phrase. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Look at verse 6. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Verse number 9. This is the church in Smyrna. It says, and I know this, go down halfway through verse number 9. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not. Who's that? Those are they who are Sabbath keepers, claim those promises, say that they are the chosen people of God, but they're not. The Bible says, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Now look down with me to the church at Pergamos deals with the same thing. Verse number 14 but I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold, look what it says, the doctrine of Balaam, which taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. Verse number 15, they also had this, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The church in Thyatira has a problem similar. Look at verse number 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because, watch this, thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel. Now, God said he suffers not a woman, right? Paul's epistle, the teacher, he suffered 30 over men. But this church is suffering this woman preacher, a prophetess, to teach and to seduce men, my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. You can turn further in chapter number 3, the church in Philadelphia, verse number 9. They deal with a similar problem. He said, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. So there's that crowd again. What say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I'll make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I've loved thee. I want you to notice that most of these issues that these churches are dealing with other than this synagogue of Satan, possibly, are issues that are arising from within these churches. They are heresies and apostates that are attacking these churches from the inside. 
Now listen, this isn't talking about 2023. We're talking about this began in Christianity before the Apostle John was even in heaven. It doesn't take long for something to corrupt. Things have changed drastically in our country. Even in my lifetime, uh, Americanism, nationalism, the, the pride that we'd have in our country, that has changed in America. But equally so, things have rapidly changed in Christendom, or we could say in churches. You read the book of Acts, the church started out as a beautiful thing. It was a militant organization. It was a Bible-based organization. But the church has gone from militancy to tolerance. The church in the book of Acts was founded upon truth. But the church, we're using that term as a blanket term, has largely now been based on experience. Pastor preached on the culture of our church. In our world today, though, in general, the church at large has gone from being a culture of Christianity to cultural Christianity. I saw a poll that was taken in the last year. 65% of Americans still yet claim to be Christian. But listen to this. 6% of those claim to have a biblical worldview. In 1992, 70% of Americans attended church. Today, 47% of Americans attend church. And here's the push in the world and in the church. Everything is pushed in the direction of multi. You see what I mean? Multiculturalism. Multinationalism. Multigenderism. But listen, here's the danger. Multi-spiritualism. And the push is to take all of these things and to assimilate them eventually into one movement politically and spiritually. And you can call it a theosophy where everybody is alike, one universal brotherhood, global universalism of all that believe. You see the bumper stickers as you drive, coexist. That is demonic. Amen. That is satanic. It is not possible for Christianity to coexist with everything else because there's really just two groups. Amen. There is everything here that is satanic, and then there's Bible-believing Christianity. Amen. And everything is moving and setting the stage, and it is not going to be difficult for the worship of a false prophet and a political head known as the Antichrist. You've seen it as of late. How easy it is to deceive people who would say they believe their Bible and sit in a pew and are on the membership roll of a Bible-believing church to cast their favor on things that are absolutely extra or anti-biblical. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Harry Ironside said, Exposing error is most unpopular work, but from every standpoint it's worthwhile at work. To our Savior, it means he receives from us the loyalty that is due his name. Now, I have found out it is easy sledding to expose error in the world. We can preach against the sin of society and usually get an amen or two. But if you want to see this crowd that is all about loving one another start to hate, begin to expose error inside the church. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 1, 8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, 
then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And just to be sure the Galatians got it, the Holy Spirit said, say it again for those in the back. So Paul in the next verse said, As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. That means let him be damned. Don't tolerate it. Don't associate it with it. Don't give ear to it. Don't lend audience to it. Let him be accursed. To the Romans, Paul said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. John, the beloved, said this in 1 John 1, 4, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. So there's more than one spirit that's at work in the world today. There is the Holy Spirit, but there are other spirits. Try the spirits because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now you say, well, I just don't think we ought to be doing that. Well, every book in your New Testament besides Philemon, Philemon gives a warning against false prophets. It's a popular sentiment, and the semantics of it sound good for people to say this. Well, I'm for anybody or any place that preaches Jesus. Well, if I want to be true to the Word of God, I cannot live by that statement. Now, I'm all for preaching Jesus, but I need to have enough spiritual discernment to decide what Jesus they're talking about and if their Jesus is the Jesus of the Scripture. More often than not, the crowd that is just preaching Jesus is never preaching the Bible. Everything about their Jesus is filtered through good vibes, thoughts, feelings, and experience. I heard a phrase recently, we go to church and just get love drunk. What does that even mean? At the recent movement uh, that's happening there in Kentucky, somebody said, well, I just want to splash into the grace of God. What does that even mean? A marquee of the last days is the subtility of apostasy. To cloak itself in a veneer of Christ to cover up the error that hides within. Apostasy and heresy are always a direct attack on the deity of Christ and the clarity of the gospel. When I first went into the ministry, at that time I lived in the Carolinas and I lived right down the road from a preacher who's my age, a preacher, I shouldn't even have said that, a person who is my age, and he started a movement there in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's now the pastor, the overseer of that movement right now at the Elevation Church. But he made a statement, God is energy, God is a molecular structure. That is new age, mysticism. Galatians 1, verse 6 and 7, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. Today our world is anti-anything that is absolute. Authority is an abomination to the ears of our generation. We've been bombarded with terms like fluid, transitional. We say my truth, your truth, manifest truth, and now we think nothing is fixed. The Bible command is to strengthen the things that remain. But the movement today is to tear down anything that is still standing. One young person that attended uh, uh, that uh, thing that happened there uh, in Kentucky said the Holy Ghost is falling like rain. But here's the statement that bothered me. I can never go back to having church the same way again. You better believe that's exactly what the devil wants to do to our generation is to corrupt their mind toward the local church and the historic faith once delivered unto the saints. 
The emphasis today is all atmosphere, ambience, experience, and mood. So much of what's, being hap is what's happening today is conditioning our world to adhere to the exaltation of feeling, emotion, opinion, and demonize any kind of absolute authority. It's Satanism. Everyone is their own little God, and the final authority is self. Joel Osteen made this statement, when God looked at you, he saw something magnificent and said, you are very good. Well, that's about as far from the Bible as you can get because I was shapen in iniquity. There is none good, no, not one. God alone is good. I'm not good. The danger of this drift toward relativism and private interpretation is this, the infiltration of the philosophy, not just into culture, but into the church. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Now, there have been theological liberals and unconverted clergy and humanistic movements in the church. This is the generation that we're talking about here in the book of Revelation. But today, here's the trouble. It's not just the non-denominational, new age, neo, woke church down the road that is falling victim to this. It is historically Bible-believing churches that are assimilating to this heresy and falling into apostasy. I think sometimes we feel like the devil just peddles in booze and dope and murder and things like that. But can I say the devil's chief area of business is spirituality and worship. There is something about error that takes a faster and deeper hold on a person, it seems, than truth. And the satanic pull on our worldview is much stronger than I think we realize. Ephesians chapter 2 said there's a spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Even now, but here's the problem, that same spirit that we say works in the world, I believe is at work in churches. A God called under shepherd to guide and instruct us has quickly been replaced with whatever we get coming across our social media stream. Listen to me now, the Bible is simply now a supplemental text for experience rather than the Bible dictating our experience. Pastor and I talked about that in the hallway. We move from truth to experience, not experience to truth. The mainstream Christian in America is far more in tune with Eastern religion than Bible Christianity. We're living in an hour where the term Holy Spirit probably doesn't even mean Holy Spirit. Where worship probably doesn't really mean worship. Where revival is prostituted out to mean any kind of rise in my emotional aura. Biblically, revival has been a brokenness, a confession of sin, a sorrowing, a getting right with God, and then soul winning. But today, revival looks like a mosh pit under the guise of Christianity. We're living in an hour where local church oversight is being abandoned in favor of a non-denominational Christian event. And now we're falling prey to these loosely organized ecumenical gatherings that have no accountability and no solid doctrinal position. Now, the neo and the liberal would say, oh, you're being divisive, and that's what the devil wants. The devil wants to divide us. Well, that's biblical ignorance. The devil's chief tactic is not division. It is deception. Amen. You remember the Tower of Babel? God wanted every, uh, mankind to spread out and populate the earth, and man thought, no, let's just all come together. And they thought they'd build a pyramid and kind of get themselves on a higher plane and ascend up to God. So what did God do? God said, no, let's bring some separation to this thing. And God scattered them across the face of the planet. This interfaith, all faith alike mindset 
has overshadowed the contending for the faith command of the book of Jude. Ecumenicism and this interfaith movement is really all New Ageism and it's a one world religion in the making. You see, but it's not that big a deal. It might be a small snowball today, but as it gains momentum, one of these days it's going to swallow up the entire world. Fluid, fluidity allows man to make himself God. Blurring ecclesiastical boundaries allows man to make himself God. Discarding doctrine in favor of experience allows man to be his own final authority, and he can determine what is of God and what is not of God. The comedian Stephen Colbert was talking about Christianity, and he's not saved, but his idea of God is this. He said, let me give you an illustration. He said, four blind men are walking, and they fall into a ditch. In that ditch already is an elephant. These blind men don't know that there's an elephant there. They're blind, but they reach out and feel. The first man reaches out and feels the elephant and said, it must be a wall. The second man reaches out and feels the elephant and said, I feel like it's a snake. The next man reaches out and said, no, I, I, I feel like it's a big boulder. Another man reaches out and says something different. And he said, the motto of the story is, the elephant is too big and they're too blind to really get a clear picture of what it is. And he said, that's us. He said, God is too big and we're too blind to really get a clear picture of who he is. You say, well, we'd never fall prey to that. It's happening all over the place where the Bible's not good enough to get our example or our picture of God anymore. And now everybody's creating a little God in their own image. Matthew 7, verse 22 and 23. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Here's what I'm saying. Not every Christian movement is a Christian movement. Not not every Christian meeting is a Christian meeting. Not all Christian media is Christian media. Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. 2 Timothy 3, 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. It's not really a pew problem. It's a deep-rooted pulpit problem. If the pulpit goes from being spirit-led to seeker-sensitive, this is just what happens. 2 Timothy 4.3, and I'm going to get to the scripture after the introduction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And here's what happens. They go from an authoritative voice that says, thus saith the Lord, to an appeasing voice that just asks, what do you want to hear? Everything has to be torn down and questioned. Fluid and blurred, gray areas where we live. No more black and white. The first year I moved here, I was out soloing with Brother Chad. I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but we met a woman, and she mentioned a term to me I'd never heard, but I've done a lot of research into it since. And she said, I'm a deconstructing Christian. You remember that, lady? I'd never heard such a thing in my life. What it is is she found out that she'd been done wrong and oppressed and all these different things and the God that she was presented from the scripture isn't really God and God is in everything and God is everything. And she said, I'm, I, I'm deprogramming myself from that cult-like experience of being in church that preaches the Bible. That's happening though all over the place. A hallmark of the days and hours before Christ comes is this. Crowds are going to swarm to hear these speakers who avoid doctrine and take Bible truth and twist it out of context to stroke the worldliness of the audience. A woman preacher up in Redding, California said that God doesn't want anybody under 70 years of age to die. So if they do, it's because we didn't pray and ask God to heal them because God's will is that no baby, nobody under 70 years old should ever die. That's horrible Bible exegesis right there. 
at Bethel. Amen. That's bad preaching. The danger of bad fellowship is this. It always leads to bad doctrine. Listen to me. Here's what these churches are doing. They don't say salvation. They say deliverance. They won't say words like sacrifice or service, just worship. They won't say the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always the Spirit. They won't say the Bible says. They'll say my truth says. It's no longer the power of God, but now it's a divine energy. There's moralism without doctrine. There's religious talk, but no theology. Galatians 3.1, Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. And here's what they say. Well, we can't put God in a box. And that's true. You can't put God in a box, but God put himself in a book. Everybody all right? Now, let me be clear. Revival can take place outside of a Baptist church. But revival cannot take place outside of the Bible. God can bless outside of our church. But God will not bless outside of his word. God can contradict my preference. But he will not contradict his decree. God can and does use Christians who are different from us in one way or another. But he won't use anyone who does not line up with the Bible. 1 John 2.18, little children, it's the last time. And as you've heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know it is the last time. And today, here's Christianity. Christianity is a movement with no doctrine, no discernment, and no direction. Quickly, what the world knows is Christianity is a movement of mysticism and spiritism and humanism and is driven by narcissism. And the real biblical Jesus is nowhere to be found. You study out the book of Revelation, the tribulation period, all these groups come together and they worship as one. But they don't worship as one because of their doctrinal agreement, because that's an impossibility. You're not going to yoke a fundamentalist up with a, a Catholic. Isn't that right? You're not going to yoke a Bible-believing Baptist up with a Presbyterian. You just can't do it because we don't believe in baptismal regeneration. Right? You're just not going to do it. So how do you yoke them together? Music. You say, that's your opinion. No, that's in the Bible. If we can get them all singing the same kind of songs, they might not find common ground on the gospel or the Bible that they preach or other doctrinal truths that actually make a difference between each, uh, heaven and hell. But if we can get them worshiping the same way, you've got to be careful and so do I. I cannot misinterpret popularity with something being of God. I have to be careful that the numbers of people who follow a movement doesn't dictate to me, well, that must be of God. they got a crowd. Yeah. I've got to guard against letting my feelings be the filter that convinces me whether or not something is of God. Let me ask you a few questions. By way, And this might have to be next week where we finish it. But let me ask you a couple of questions. Does God anoint apostasy? Does God bless extra biblical experiences void of a Bible endorsement? Does God honor emotion and feelings over truth? Is pragmatism more valid than principle? What's pragmatism? Well, the ends justify the means. Yeah, but people got saved down there, did they? Is God pleased with sin? So that shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Does God overlook error for the sake of sincerity? Yeah, but they really believe it. You can really believe that, Coca, that, that poison is Coca-Cola. You drink it, you'll be just as dead. Amen. 
Does truth adapt and evolve to mess with my interpretation of truth? Is the Word of God absolute authority? Do we even have the Word of God? That's the problem right there, by the way. We know God's not the author of confusion, but let me ask you this. Will God co-sign on confusion? 1 Thessalonians 5, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, but, listen, prove all things. You say, well, I, Gamaliel said if it's of God, we can't do anything to stop it. Yeah, but he wasn't even saved. Everybody all right? We're taking, we're taking advice from a Jewish man that wasn't even born again. Now, he was right. It was of God, and they couldn't stop it. But my Bible said I'm to judge righteous judgment. Also, as a shepherd, I'm to warn and guide the flock. Amen. I'm to mark those who cause offenses and are contrary to the doctrine, the traditions that I've been given. Right? Failure to spiritually discern and prove all things is because of two possibilities. Number one, if we don't have discernment, it could be a lot of saved people are so backslidden and biblically illiterate they cannot discern when the Spirit is trying to speak to them. Or number two, a lot of folks who say they're saved aren't saved. Yeah. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. If we look at big tent Christianity, you don't have to have a spiritual doctor to diagnose it. The majority of people who say they're Christians are apostasy addicts. They are hooked on heresy. The average Christian, and I'm afraid the average man who says he's a pastor, is as gullible as a child when it comes to spirituality. The devil hates the gospel. The devil hates Bible doctrine. And if he can dilute Christianity into some other new age, free-flowing, always evolving movement of unconverted religious people, he'll have done his job. The devil's the biggest spiritual dope dealer in town. He peddles pedo spiritual music as a gateway drug. He offers Bible version controversy and breeds doubt to keep you hooked. And then he'll provide an assortment of men and women willing to merchandise you and merchandise the gospel to keep you involved. Like a dead deer on the side of the highway, those movements will swell, they grow, and they attract followers like flies, but they're dead in the eyes of God. They never speak of judgment. They don't speak of righteousness. There's no mention of wrath or sin. It's always unconditional love. God understands, and he'll accept you as you are. During the Super Bowl, there is a $20 million ad campaign for the He Gets Us movement, and it's backed actually by Hobby Lobby and some other groups like that. But the, the emphasis of that is God under Jesus understands. He's just like you are. There's no come up higher to higher ground. There's no righteous standard. He's calm. And if he was here today, he'd understand about your homosexuality. He'd understand about your sin. He gets us. And the world and the average person who sits in our Baptist church looked at that and said, well, hallelujah, there's a Christian commercial on TV. Amen. Watch the devil. He'll use places that used to be safe and people who used to be safe. And they'll allure those who are still anchored in safety to that side of the sea and there the devil will sink your boat. 1 John 2, 19, they went out from us but they were not of us. It's a hard hour to pastor when sheep can spend more time watching, listening, and following wolves that sprinkle just enough good lingo into their lures to lead the simple astray than they spend in church pews throughout the week. God in His goodness gave us a lot. He gave us His Son. He gave us the Spirit. He gave us the Scripture. He gave us a servant to preach the Bible. He gave us the sanctuary to sit in. But these days, it seems like even though God's given us all these, we're looking for something else from God. It seems to me the average Christian is living by semantics, sensation, sincerity, and size, and not the Scripture. 
Here's what Jude 11, I'm trying to give you some Bible verses in every book in the New Testament. Jude 11, verse, uh, Jude 11 and 12. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain and ran after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished with the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds there without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit twice dead, and plucked up by the roots. And everything that we're seeing, let me say it again, is shaping this world to worship the Antichrist. Christ, when the man of sin comes and desecrates the house of God, he'll be charismatic, he'll perform miracles, he'll be a smooth talker, he'll be a suave dresser, a champion of peace, a convincing orator, he'll speak ex cathedra and set himself up as though he was God. And today we're right on the cusp of that. We are living in the last days and the last hours of the last days and heresy is abounding and apostasy is coming into good churches. There's doubt on the Bible, an attack on the Trinity, a misappropriation of apostolic miracles, baptismal regeneration, contemporary Christian, CCM move. Listen, that's not music, that's a philosophy. Tom Malone said we're on a fishing trip, not a snake hunt. So I wouldn't preach like this every week. But he did say this, if a snake crawls in our boat, we're going to cut its tail off right behind the neck. The old-fashioned preacher is not divisive, the old-fashioned book is divisive. The old-fashioned Christian is not divisive. It's the Bible that cuts. There's too much Bible in this book. There's too much Bible that tells me I'm to guard against error than to just march off into it with everybody else. If I were to march in that parade, I'd have a motley crew to march with. I'm talking about people like Amy Grant. Just performed a, a lesbian wedding. I'm talking about Bethel Church in Redding, California. And their quantum physics and mysticism. I'm talking about Hillsong. Everybody all right? You don't have to say amen, but I'm going to suspect you if you don't. We sing their songs. I'm glad we don't sing them here, but many churches, independent Baptists, sing their songs. I'm talking about a man named Jensen Franklin and Stephen Furtick and Beth Moore. Everybody all right? Rick Warren just got kicked out of the Southern Baptist Convention because he ordained a woman preacher. That's pretty good. I wonder if they're going to kick out all the preachers that advocate for drinking alcohol next. Oh, my. I'm talking about DeMar Hamlin, who got hurt on the football field, almost died, and everybody said, we're praying for you. Everybody got spiritual all of a sudden. We're praying for you. We're praying for you. And then he wore a jacket to the Super Bowl that was totally uh, just an abomination, mocking the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about Paula White and Matt Walsh and Glenn Beck. Everybody still all right? I'm talking about The Chosen with its Book of Mormon quotations. Say very Oh, my. I'm talking about these interfaith movements that go viral on social media that have women preachers running it and LGBTQ students leading the worship and then independent Baptist preachers saying, I'm for God moving wherever God wants to move. Well, God ain't going to move there. Just because you bought a T-shirt or had an experience doesn't mean God's in it. Acts 17, 11, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And here's the key. They searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. 2 Timothy 2, 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's not enough time. We just have to rush through it. So I'll just part to it unless I'm not allowed. But if you look in these letters, every single letter is dealing with an apostate or a heretical group. And these groups are still around today. And we are blending them 
into our Baptist churches. Charismatic movement. Amen. A hierarchy of priesthood ruling over people. Sound familiar? Apostolic secession. Claiming to be an apostle when there are no more apostles. You say, well, that's not going to happen here. It's happened places just like this. We're living in the last days. And I'll tell you the scary thing and the sad thing is we might not think it's a big deal, but all of that is lending itself to that worship that will take place when the Antichrist is revealed. And the false prophet does his signs and his miracles. And all of it is filled with Satan. All of it is. If it's outside the Bible, it's not of God. Amen. Amen. You say, well, I had a good experience here. That's the problem. That's humanism. What does the Bible have to say? I'm sorry I didn't get to the four points. I'll finish it. But I'm concerned about it. I'm concerned about it. I'm concerned about it when I see these fires with these guys who are supposed to believe the Bible, but they're yoking up with men who, who, who do not believe the Word of God. Amen. I'm sad when I see good independent Baptist women sharing things from somebody who's a, like a Beth Moore. That's not of God. Amen. Everybody all right? And it's a very important and serious thing. Why do you take such a strong stand? Why wouldn't you? We have to have clear lines of demarcation on doctrine. Amen. Can't blur the lines. Can't just yoke together. Amen. We don't just build bridges to anything. Why? Because God's looking for a remnant in these last days. You say, you think you're the only ones who are right? No. But I want to be as right as I can be. And I want to watch the subtleness of Satan. How he makes a Trojan horse out of things that look good on the outside and then comes in and destroys. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.